what happened? You walked in that room. You're aware that you want to change. You're kind of frustrated. Life feels gray. What, what would be the colors you describe? Because some people might be, need to relate to this. What, what was your picture of demotivated? How did that look? How did it feel? Because people need to be aware of it. Because they might be thinking, they might be watching you, listening to you and I and thinking, but isn't that how life is? We need to show them, actually, no, if you've got to this place, chances are you've slipped down to some low level of um, emotional feeling. Yeah. What, how did it look? How did it feel? How did it smell? How did it sound to you? Hello, this is Dr. Rowe, and you are listening to The Cicado Show with Dr. Rowe and Harms. Cicado means to seek turning points. And on this show, where two completely different generations tackle the most challenging topics that people are facing today, the mission is to provide you with what you need in order to create a turning point in your life now. Above all else, the main reason that we chose to create these shows is because we both have a passion for helping people go through life transformation, for improving their lives, for taking their lives to a completely different level. And it's our hope, our genuine sincere hope, that by the end of each of these episodes, you will have gained at least one insight which you can take away and apply directly into your life. Practical tools, voices that come from both generations, younger generation with tips and tools, older generation with a sense of wisdom and experience. So you can help unlock your true potential to give you the opportunity to make changes both on a personal, professional, financial and relationship level. To give you a chance to impact both your life and the lives of other people around you. So we welcome you. We welcome you to The Cicado Show. Before we jump into the show, let me just tell you a little bit about becoming a Cicado supporter now. If you love what we do on the show, have gained transformational insights and positive outcomes or any small shifts which have allowed you to create turning points in your life, then please head to cicado.com and become a supporter of the show now. By supporting the show, we can continue to expand by getting you better quality production, spending more time deep diving important topics and creating more exclusive supporter perks as well as getting great guests on. And by the way, as a thank you for becoming a supporter and depending on which supporter tier you select at cicado.com, these perks range from my weekly recipe for success emails through to audios and video courses from my 23 steps to success, which includes online modules on how to find your life balance, gaining confidence, improving your time management, making successful career transitions, understanding financial independence, creating a life purpose, understanding and how to manage your money, becoming a money master, understanding negotiation techniques, learning to communicate more effectively, and so much more. So don't delay. It takes less than two minutes and you can become a Cicado supporter, helping to expand the show and get special perks as a thank you. Become a supporter now at cicado.com. Let's get back to the show. Hello, it's Harms and welcome to another episode of the Cicado Show. And today by default, you're going to feel inspired and you're going to feel motivated. But more specifically, in the sense that you're going to be leaving with maybe tools, techniques, a focus around how you can motivate an individual, whether it's in your personal world, an individual, whether it's in your professional world. And that's very much because we're in a time and we're in a space right now where we've gone through a long, what feels like a depression. You, we've been locked down, we've been isolated, we've not been able to see family members. And that feeling you have when you come together is incredible and exciting. But how do we now translate that into getting results for ourselves in our life? And often that means motivating and inspiring those around us. So that's the conversation I wanted to bring today. Pairing into that, uh, just as a final note for me before I pass on to Ro, is this idea that do younger people be be motivated in a different way to maybe the older generation? And and you know in this podcast you've got myself, the younger generation, quote unquote, and Ro, the older generation, quote unquote. So Ro, handing it over to yourself, mm. what's your kind of general feeling when when I kind of introduce this episode around this theme of mm. motivation and inspiration? Yeah, thanks, Holmes. And I, you know what? Hi everybody, welcome, welcome to. What is going to be a, a, I'm excited about this podcast, but more importantly, I think 
this is a time for everybody to reflect. We're really grateful that you're all joining us on these podcasts. And I also know from just us being out and about, talking to people, but also being in front of audiences, that it has been a tough year. And even though we might deny it, there's definitely a heaviness overall in, I would say, society and, and the global community, both the older group, but also yours as well, Harms. Would you agree? Um, I, I think social media, there's a lot of buoyancy in terms of people chatting about their lives, but there's also still a feeling of where are we actually going? Mm. You know, we're coming out of lockdown in theory. The economy's pretty much on its knees. And I think even for older and younger generations, there's this sense of, we used to be able to see ahead, couldn't we, five, 10 years. You, yeah. you could get an idea of a career. You get an idea of, I'm 50, but I could do this, and I could do this, and I could do that. But I walk down the high street at the moment, and you know, I was just recently in Tunbridge Wells, and the number of shops in one of the shopping centers just boarded up. You know, uh, Shops that used to be quite abundant and growing closed down. Uh, I'm hearing about redundancies and major problems in the economy at the moment. And it's not to paint a big bad picture, but it's to explain how, if anybody's listening, you may be feeling a sense of ha- heaviness. And underlying all of that is a, an internal need to be inspired or to be motivated, to feel like you've got something to hang on to outside of just sitting watching Netflix. Because I do think people have kind of lost themselves a little bit in yeah. watching a movie, disengaging. Um, the word I've often used, and I've heard you use it, is numbing themselves or we numb ourselves. And I've done it on occasions when I've just been had enough. I just want to switch off. Distract ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the challenge is if we do that enough, it becomes a habit. And I think we need to break that habit. So I'm excited to talk about this, but I do think we need to address that as well okay because trying to become motivated is difficult if you're still allowing yourself to sort of walk in the sticky mud yeah so based on what you just said there one of the things that pops to mind is you, you know you've t- looked at the big picture of what gets us into this place of being stuck in the mud yeah. uh, hitting a brick wall or feeling like this apathetic self where you know you kind of ask your questions well what's the point yeah. maybe when you wake up in the morning you're not jumping out of bed in excitement you're yeah. kind of looking at the alarm, you snooze it, you snooze it. Oh, well, I don't have to start work at nine. I now work remotely. Oh, I'll just rock up in my pajamas. Yeah. You know, that's a general feeling of lack of motivation. And, and, you know, they used to call that island fever. If you were on an island long enough, the Caribbean, you hang out there long enough and people got island fever. Another term when I grew up in during the eighties was um, the unemployment. There's a word they use for it, but people that had been unemployed for a certain period just lost that sense of self-worth, motivation, and desire because they were being supported by a, che- a paycheck every month. That doesn't mean to say their lives are aspirational mm. or anything like that. But they just got into this very comfortable state of mind. And I think we're seeing that with furlough and with being told all the fucking time, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, go here, do this, do that. People have become so instructed, you know, take vaccine, don't take vaccine, all this. Everyone's now feeling a little bit like, let me wait for the next instruction. And my feeling is, fuck the instructions. We have to get out and self-motivate now. And that's mm. partly what drives this podcast for me anyway. Interestingly, one of the things we find, um, as many listeners know, I'm a property investor. You know, that's part of the business I run and so do you, Ro. When, when we were going town to town and we was actually speaking to councils, it was actually a massive eye-opener for me that once you take somebody's kind of livelihood or self-worth away, I'm talking about the coal towns, steel towns, right, and you don't have a process in place to to re-educate them, retrain yeah. their society and population. What ended up happening is you have these kind of ecosystem and bubbles, which people forget and they don't really talk about. Yeah. I only personally saw it when we were trying to provide kind of social housing in these towns that many of the residents of the town kind of just lose their fulfillment, mm. lose their passion, don't even understand what motivation is. You know, yeah. You, one of the questions I asked later is, you know, is it possible to motivate somebody in that state? Because they ended up just defaulting to drugs and then drugs became yeah. the drugs, ecosystem. Drugs, alcohol. Drugs, um, alcohol. And, an easy fix. Yes. So what ends up happening is providers like ourselves provide social housing. So at least these people have a roof over their heads. Yeah. But that's the first step. And, I mean, and, and as we're describing this, please be mindful if you're listening to this, we're talking about a behavioral pattern in people. You know, we, one of the things we do with our social housing is we're trying to provide homes that are safe and give people a chance to get into a home. But at the same time, there are sort of endemic in the culture is this sense of like, once you get to a certain level of not of having something or 
surviving on a, a guaranteed rent or guaranteed income, albeit low, yeah. your personal self-worth goes to that space, doesn't it? Yes. And, and these could be people that are actually previously really inspirational. They may have had dreams and aspirations. And for whatever fucking reason, they've got to a point now where they almost don't believe that they can have them. And that scares me because that could be even somebody who's has been at a high level career and they've been kicked back, knocked back, set back. There's a thing called the gender pay gap right now for women. Women, if you're listening to this in the UK, as I'm recording this with Harminda, um, the average pay drop for women is about four to five hundred pounds a month less than they were before the pandemic. So people's worth is even dropped based on what the system is saying that they can be paid. So look at so take the uh, take the pandemic for example. I think you shared a story with me where you went to a cafe and restaurant and you found British Airways pilots. Yeah, what an aspirational job! What a kind of in society, you know, you kind of consider a pilot. Okay, that's a really prestigious job. We're serving in a cafe, not to diminish or disrespect the cafe job, but that's a shift. It was a desperation to try and yeah. have some sort of income. And the problem is the longer you stay in that emotional state, the more it becomes your identity. And it's harder to get out of that because there's the flip side to it, which is, but you could do this and you go, yeah, but I don't believe that anymore. Whereas maybe before you did believe it. It's the same thing with age, isn't it? Yeah. Kids, are, I mean, you've got a beautiful son. He's, the sky's the limit. Yeah, you know, he's going to have no limits for a long time until something happens outside you and your beautiful wife because you, you're aspirational and you're thinking, but something in life's going to show up or someone's going to have an influence. It's like, that's why we've found it very difficult over the years to allow our kids to be in a space that's outside of our value system mm. because we see around us not so much where we live in, you know, obviously you're in the same space. Anybody listening to this, we live in a society where a particular group of people that are actually very diversity thinking, would you say educationally and um, yeah. much more rounded and less conforming to a system. Yeah, that's a good definition. Values are on health, on family, on growth. But I do know people that have even tell me now that, you know, they're in the city, where they've got the kids in a school, but they, they say the kids are changing because their kids are now around a teacher who themselves is feeling devalued, yeah. undervalued, demotivated, feeling angry, possibly in a relationship breakdown, not being paid enough, that comes out in our demeanor. Yeah. Even the best intentions with a child. And so another person's set of values comes onto our kids and then our kids inherit that. So what I guess I'm trying to say is that every single person listening to this, motivation is something you have to physically go out and work on. Even myself, and I mean, you see me, yeah, we've had a... Some, a couple of things that come up over the last week and I've just spent the last few hours with harms just sounding off and bouncing and just sharing and, and also trying to get inspired over other things because life happens Yeah, and you can't just assume you're a fucking rock and that you're always going to be a bulletproof vest because no human being is a bulletproof vest. We've all got spots that you know the bullet can get through. So what I love about that is you're talking from a place of kind of the older generation, that, that wisdom. Now, that's a great way to discuss. And if a listener's listening to this, who you know feels like you know they're constantly yeah. wearing a bulletproof vest <laughs> yeah. and as they leave the door, you know, got their mask on, all that kind of stuff. Well, sometimes we want to take it off, Harms. Yes, you know, I think when you're your age, you're at the age where there's certain things you haven't experienced yet. But you could look at a 20 year old and go, "Yeah, wait till you get to 30." Ah, yes. You know, 55. It's like shit, man. Been knocked around, kicked around, and we want to talk about this because I think there's, you know, you've raised a really good subject for us to talk about motivation in business, in jobs, and on a personal level. In the corporate world's bollocks, man. Some of the stuff that's happening there at the moment, people are being disrespected and, and the va people's va personal self-worth is being diminished by the way the corporate world's treating people. So I think even in that phrase that you just said there, you know, wait till you get to your 30s. <laughs> I've heard that, you know, that's a, <laughs> such a common phrase. And in that phrase alone, because I wanted to bring it down to my generation now, which is what demotivates or what can cause kind of this the removal of inspiration, the kind of extinguishing mm. of that in inspiration mm. in a younger generation, whether it's a teen, whether it's somebody, you know, single digits. I would never want to say to, say, a teen, knowing what I know now mm. and extinguish their flame and say, yeah. oh, you know, you might be excited now, but wait till you get to your 30s. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there'll yeah, be yeah. no motivation. But I'm just conscious of that now. But you could do that. But I could easily you, say You it. could do that because you've now experienced that journey. Yeah. 
but I, but I could both in a corporate world and out in, as of being an entrepreneur for what five six years now. In in, the, in that sense, it's true. But, but actually, no. How long has it been now? It's longer actually. Because almost almost coming no, up a decade, decade almost decade, a decade, yeah. decade. Yeah. But in the same breath, like I could say it because if I felt demotivated on a certain day, mm. and if I wasn't in the right state of mind that day, mm. I could now shift or remove the motivation of somebody else who's yeah. younger, who's maybe excited about life. And I think that happens on a daily basis and it's happening all the time. So yeah, we spoke yeah. about like big level government uh, media creating this yeah. lack of motivation, but it, I think it happens on a parental level. Yeah. It happens, you know, when somebody gets their first job and they talk to maybe a colleague who's been there for 30 years, yeah. who's had yeah, all yeah, the yeah. motivation sucked out of them. Yes. And they're like, oh yeah, I mean, your your kind of spark won't last long. Yeah. You know? Wait till you get to my age conversation. That's I think that's another phrase. Which in itself, if you think about somebody saying that, is that even a sensible conversation to have with a young person? Why would you want to fra- set that frame up mm. and steal that? It's like a throwaway sentence, which I understand where it's coming from. And part of it's ego, part of it's like, you don't you understand the path I've been on. But it does sweep the rug from under people's feet, yeah. like a, a walk through time. When I was that age... And still today, I have to say, it's like, you know me longer, it's like, I've got a fuck you attitude. That's mm. kind of how it's built into my, like, where's it come from? I think, you know, when my mum, my father died, my mum was like, almost like, fuck you to, to the world. You're not going to put me down. Because she was like a single mum bringing three of us up. And she just dug in, worked in the day, worked in the evenings. God knows when she slept. And it was, she ne- she just refused to be beaten down. And I think something in that, value system that she had led to me having that not necessarily the same way but i wouldn't be beaten down by if anything if somebody challenged me i would kick back and say right i'm going to prove you wrong whether that's probably was an ego thing i think i did a lot of personal development as well in my late teens and early 20s and and it was i didn't i just felt why should i wait for someone else to tell me that and how why is it that's their belief system and why should i adopt that and that's probably a good thing for anyone listening to make a note of ask yourself the question if somebody challenges you on your dream this is motivation now and you don't believe that they're correct then don't adopt that just simply refuse yeah point blank to make that part of your belief system i don't know if that's making any sense but it's like it literally is thank you very much but i don't that does fucking does not fit into my picture of the world so i don't have to put that jigsaw piece in there because the minute you put it in there you got to build and jigsaw around their belief system. So, so I love and some people phrase. do, by the way. So, so, that, so that's the phrase. So, you know, if there's a young aspirational person who maybe have heard, maybe has has heard a phrase like that, and they felt disheartened. Yeah, you know, that's the phrase. And you don't necessarily have to say it to that person, um, but internally have that as an anchor. Yeah, it's, have it's that an as a up phrase yours you say or yeah. whatever you want to use. I mean, it's yeah. not the fu, but it does need to be. I mean, I had this this weekend. We had a lady that didn't like me using the word f. Mm. I mean, she actually. So I'm doing an event, and she wrote in our. Does uh, Dr. O have to use that type of language? So she's definitely stopped listening to the podcast as of now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So what was interesting was, you know, we had uh, 40, 50 people on the event. And I said, look, I just want to apologize because obviously I used a bit of colorful language there and it's upset one member of the audience. And then a whole bunch of other people came back and said, we love it. Thanks for your honesty. We don't mind you being direct. It kind of wakes us up. And actually, that's true. There's a study that shows that when people are faced with blocks or feeling a bit down sometimes you have to break their state and and there's been a study showing that when people use very strong language it cuts through a lot of the you know social conditioning it's like a sledgehammer to a bubble that we create around ourselves and when you know you've seen me use it with people that are really in a dark place yeah so it's not ever meant or used to be offensive it's actually meant for people to go what oh my god you got my attention now so if listening to this and i, I had to make a decision because i had 40 50 people yeah. going actually we really like this approach dr Rose. it's straight and I didn't do it all weekend. And she, she you know, twice more, she goes, well, I just don't, I'm, not, I'm uncomfortable with it. And I said, so I had to tone it down. But then you weigh up as a human being. Do you, do you live your life to please one individual versus a larger, this was me serving an audience. Yeah. Same thing with you as a person for self-motivation. Do you listen to what somebody tells you and kind of live to what they've said? Maybe they're older than you because that's what mom or dad or uncle or auntie said. And, and you want them to be happy or pleased or feel proud of you. But who the fuck are you doing that for now? You're doing it for them. Yeah. Versus, no, this is how I want to live my life. Granted, I wrote something down actually, Harms, over the weekend. One of my one of my coaches we had on the weekend, it's a property weekend. And she said, I wanted to rewrite. Oh no, I didn't want history to repeat itself. And I said, What do you mean by that? And she said, All of my life, 
I'm just trying to find it. She said, all my life, my family had been broke. None of them been financially independent. And I didn't want history to repeat itself with my kids and my family. Mm. So she, this is Helen, she rewrote the history. And that's a great message of motivation is you decide this is the point where I'm going to rewrite the history of my life up until now and my family's life and my, my grandparents, maybe everyone else was uneducated. Maybe everyone else hadn't gone into property or been a creative person or gone into art or gone into acting or gone into football or whatever it is. And if that's your history, you want to write it, fucking go and do it. Rewrite history for the family. Amazing. And I think, you know, sorry, I've gone off on a complete tangent. No, right? actually, because because one of the outcomes of this podcast as we're talking is, you know, I wanted to think about what are ways in which we can motivate someone? And 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 actually, we just dived into two. One is using language appropriately to, yeah. to shift somebody's state and get and them to act. And your own state. And your you own know, state, Whatever yeah. it is for you. What do you say that just wakes you up? I do two things. I put music on and I'll, I don't mind self. I'm not being negative to myself. It's like, fuck it, we're going to make this happen. Yeah. And that's that. that is my, it's always been my default. So going back to when I was younger, and it's still in me now, but maybe not as... <clears throat> Back in those days, more ego-driven. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was like push back, push back against the universe. I was angry after my dad died. I was, I was actually quite pissed off that I didn't get a chance to do all these things with him. So there's that little bit of me in me. But equally, there's a part of me that wanted to do something that I knew he would have been proud of when I got older. So that pushback is healthy as long as it's not, this is my view, and I'd be interested in what you think about it, but as long as it's not driven from a place of ego and it's all about you, it's actually about your vision and your purpose. So what we're doing is we're representing ourselves to the world based on what we believe in our, in our core as opposed to look at me, I'm fucking amazing, so screw you. It's not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's not profanity for the sake of profanity. You know, if, if, if I was a young person, it, well, if I was in my teens or 20s, one of the challenges we have is we live in a society in an ecosystem where actually we're surrounded by all of this. So it may not be the colorful language that shifts somebody younger mm -hmm. because you watch a Netflix show, you watch, listen to some of the music available now, yeah. some of the rap and hip hop and, you know, that's comedians, actually, you know, it's just part of the comedian dialogue. Just, isn't it? And it's a part of kind of our youthful dialogue, this kind of new culture where maybe back in the day in your culture, using the colorful language was for very specific moments true, in time. True, 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 true. Whereas actually it's, it's it's in our culture. It's in That's like true. the music, the television. That's very true. In 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 the media in general, you know, I can have a conversation with a friend, and you know, we're we're using profound language with sorry, WhatsApp, and it's just the way we dialogue. Yeah, um, but it also emotes a, a response. Actually, the lady that responded was probably my age. She's in her fifties, so my yeah. age group. Whereas most of the others were like, you know what, actually, it's okay. We're used to, it. and it's part of a lot of common dialogue. So we're used to it. The point is, it's how we use it to self motivate. Exactly, and then actually leads on to another question, which is, you know, if maybe language doesn't work for somebody or yeah. for a younger what generation yeah. because it's so common to us, mm. how else do we do it? How else does somebody younger self motivate? Or and I'll shift. We can shift the conversation afterwards to how do you motivate somebody else. But whilst we're on the topic of, well, I think shifting, self is the, is the biggest is focus the biggest. first because really the minute we start looking at how can somebody motivate us, then there's a bigger issue there. Um, how can we help motivate somebody is, is a good thing that you're bringing in, which is how as a manager, a company owner, a parent, mm. a brother or a sister or a friend, how can we help motivate our the people around us? I think that conversation should come after we tackle the more yeah, internal yeah. conversation, which is how do we motivate ourselves? Because anything outside that is really just a reinforcement how we feel about ourselves. That's probably a good way to view it, actually. Mm. If somebody says something to us to inspire us or motivate us, brilliant. That's reaffirming what we've already done for ourselves. Yes. But if it's constantly needed from outside, man, there's a big frigging issue. And, 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 and then it's a start-stop. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Start stops in You know, exactly. you, you go gym on Monday. Yeah, yeah. You don't go a week. You look at a YouTube video which motivates you on Sunday. Okay, you're back in the gym. Yeah. So it's how do we shift away from this start stop mentality and behavior, as in, in shifting it to you start and then you just go. Yeah. And you don't stop until you reach what you want to reach. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, on a personal level, it's worth looking. I, I, so whenever I get, I find myself being crunched down a bit, or my energy's flattened, or I've lost a bit of momentum. Two or three things for me. One is. Uh, just exercise. If I if I don't do exercise for a prolonged period, you know, endorphins and all that, I definitely feel, and you might not be an exerciser listening to this, but have you actually tried doing exercise consistently? It doesn't have to be a massive amount. Even if, I mean, when I do a weekend, like speaking, you can see we're in the office here. I've got my rebound. I do that and press-ups, that and press-ups. I might do five minutes of that in a break, but man, I'm pumped. I just, mm. I'm back in front of my audience. I can just feel the blood flowing. Um, that in itself, a physiological shift in our body helps 
that's one thing. Secondly, um, is just, I do definitely thrive off inspirational music, stuff that really I have playlists and stuff like that. So what can I put on that gets into my soul that triggers that feeling that we've got from when we were younger? Um, And it goes back to when I was very young as well. So, so on my side, I was very much stop, start, stop, start on a personal level. At what age? Um, We're talking, you know, motivation wasn't even a thing for me in my teens, but in my twenties, suddenly I had a feeling of aspiration. I wanted to do more. So your career then? or Career. Started in my career, come out of an apprenticeship, was doing university on the side, but working working within my profession in engineering but can, can i ask because you i mean for those listening harms comes from a very traditional asian background and there's a huge amount of sort of uh, cultural pressure albeit it might not be every parent's different i think your yeah. parents are very relaxed in a way but it's still there isn't it it's like built into the so were you driven up until the point where the motivation was more about proving your status your education I, I, th- I was think it, was it more internal was it i think unconsciously un- unconsciously it just lives in our culture right so in the asian culture you know one is you're conscious about okay i need to be a doctor engineer a profession you know an accountant and then there's the flip side which is maybe you're more relaxed and you know my parents were, were way more free in terms of letting us guide where we wanted to go but unconsciously because of the culture exists mm-hmm. and the family dynamic exists well especially get together family get to what are you doing you know like, <laughs> exactly and then the, <laughs> there's the classic uh, comparing kids well oh that cousin or that yeah, cousin. yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's he, a major he's, actually he's, that's another subject we should just tackle and, and what it does in, in an asian, just asian child's culture. mind in any culture's mind is culture, it's yeah. it creates this kind of model of what is successful you know what what should i have been Okay, well, I got to be a professional. Yeah. So that's just by default what I was doing. Yeah. No motivation required. Right. That was built in from were day you, one. Were you, you know, was it head down or was it comparing or being aware of what other people were doing? D- did you bounce? And it's good, it's good for anyone listening because this is a basic mechanism of anybody. I was the same in my 20s. So what are other people doing? Was there any competition going on in your head? Was it very self-driven or was it a mixture of those? What, what, was, what, what made up Harminder? In comparison today, I think it was external. So I think the motivation mm. came from external right, factors, right, right. whether I was aware of them or not. Yeah. So I think, like I said, cultural had a big influence, and that was kind of automatically me- making me, you know, succeed in my workplace. And I was doing that, but there was a point and a shift when, actually, and this is my recommendation in terms of how do we motivate ourselves internally, is just adopt this kind of philosophy world education around personal development right so you're in a corporate world you're managing a bunch of people I remember yeah like 40 40 50 it flexed between that but, but something happened where you didn't feel it was enough did you lose motivation or did you feel very quickly that there's more than what you were more than what you're doing well i think the feeling is that lack of motivation so yeah. so it, it was diminishing over a period of time a period of towards years. what you're doing or the people that were your senior i think i think it was a combination Right. So I think, but but at its core, what I was physically doing on a day-to-day basis. If you're listening to this, the reason I'm asking the questions of harms is I'm kind of asking coachy style questions for anyone listening, thinking, oh shit, I can kind of relate to what he's saying. And sometimes we can't put our finger on it. Mm. So I'm just trying to peel the onion to say the lack of motivation can come from, number one, you kind of achieved a certain level. Yeah. And what what the fuck happens next? Or shit people around you at management level, senior management, yeah. family, or an inner compass and anyone listening, like there's more, there's got to be more than this, especially if you're reading personal development now. So, so, so I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like you said, it's very difficult to explain. It, it was that the, the first statement you just made there, which is, which is uh, because of my background, because of that mm. cultural push, you know, by default, I was going to succeed in a conventional world. So I got to very quickly a senior position, right. managing a bunch of people and I think in then, your early twenties as well. Yeah, it was I mean, like twenty two, twenty three. That's young. And then by you know, and and it was a very supportive environment. You know, my team was amazing. But the question started in my mind: the motivation was diminishing because of that phrase you just said, which is, "Is that it?" Mm. You know, yeah, twenty two, yeah. twenty four. Is, is this is what this, I've been working it, towards? You're right. You know, it's you know, doing what I'm doing on an engineering basis. Is it fulfilling me? I wasn't conscious of these questions at the time. Until I started. Did, did you put your head up and against for everyone listening, a sense of mo in order to be motivated, sometimes we have to become demotivated, which then brings the magnifying glass out. $64 million question follows next. 
which part of your life right now you demotivated about yourself yeah. because then you can look at that and go I want the opposite to this. Yeah. So that becomes now your new motivation. And I know that there's no formal structure to what we're talking about here. I just want people to realize the thinking. So did you get to a point where you're going, I don't want this? And did that reveal to you then, well, what do I want? I mean, because that, that something must have shifted. Exactly that. And and like you said, that demotivated feeling, um, I just couldn't live with. So, so that okay. feeling Every day. would get more intense and more right. intense and more intense. And we intense. have talked briefly about this before on a previous podcast. I Absolutely. Remember, yeah. and, and it kind of gets to a point where the questions are inevitable. Like, why am I feeling this way? Right. And, you know, you start to notice the And patterns. you were 22. What about a 44-year-old? So this is the or thing. Or a 55-year-old. I, like we see them now in our uh, events. When I think, about, off, when I think about that pivot and that transition in my time, and of course I met you around that time as well, to, to help make that transition to help ask the questions which I wasn't aware of asking. Okay, so let's press pause. Mm. Let's 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 draw a picture now. You've got a 24, 25-year-old in a room, and so 24 plus 20, so 44, 45, whatever I was when I met you, and I'm bouncing around a stage, mm. yeah? And I've been on a similar journey. What triggers motivated you? Because we can look at that. It's not about the individual me, but it's about what, what created, because that was like a catalyst on top of where you already were. Because mm. that's quite good for people to be aware of. Because sometimes people might need to go look for that trigger. And, and not that you're. So, this, what I want to get across, Harms, is I know we're saying your life can't be about being motivated by others because it can't consistently be. But it can be triggered and motivated by yes. a significant emotional event by somebody else that gets you to sit up and go, holy shit, this is what I've been looking for. You know, when the teacher, when the students arrive, the teacher arrives, or whatever the word is. Does that make sense? So, so yes. what was. Just try and help people understand what was because there is a sequence to this. It's a bit like a recipe. What happened? You walked in that room. You're aware that you want to change. You're kind of frustrated. Life feels great. What What would be the colours you describe? Because some people might be, need to relate to this. What What was your picture of demotivated? How did that look? How did it feel? Because people need to be aware of it. Because they might be thinking, they might be watching you, listening to you and I, and thinking, but isn't that how life is? We need to show them actually no. If you've got to this place chances are you slip down to some low level of um, emotional feeling. Yeah. What, how did it look? How did it feel? How did it smell? How did it sound to you? Before you came to that point where that catalyst, you know, you meet, you meet this bald-headed guy. Bald-headed so guy, that, full of energy, full of motivation. Yeah, but that was the trigger that made you go, and then what happened? That's when I asked you what happened next. Yeah. But paint the picture. What did it look like, feel like? What was the feeling when you went to work? Because pe- the tr- what I'm concerned about, Harms, is that there's young people that are numb right now and they think that's the fucking norm. And that is not the fucking norm. Absolutely not. It isn't. But they might think it. And the trouble is if they ha- they don't see anything else, they could go that for 10 years, 15 years before they wake up. And that's my worry. And that's why I, I was kind of sharing my example because I was blessed that I went searching for it. And, I- and I'll answer the question in a moment mm. because of that danger. Right. Um, because what I saw in the workplace mm-hmm. was unmotivated, right. numb workers who've been there for 30, 40 years. Lovely people, great hearts, but they were just completely depleted. What was their language patterns? This is how it is. Had they accepted it, or uh, so their language patterns? It's <laughs> uh, is fascinating because when you come to a place where, by default, you you know you don't have to seek their motivation, then going back and thinking about okay, what was it like then? Their language patterns always started negative. Mm. You know, there was no positive outlook. It yeah. was like they were functioning right. and those that were not aspirational in the job pretty much did, and this is probably by action, did their bare minimum right. to get through the shift. To do the weekend, to go for a drink, to go on a holiday, to get, maybe save up for the new car. Ex- it, so, it, so it's a functional existence, but kind of an acceptance. And the problem is when you're doing 12-hour shifts plus overtime right. and you're now in work pretty much 90% of the time, mm with minimum rest and sleep, bearing in mind is night shifts and day shifts, at what point do you do you have a chance to recharge and re-motivate yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. actually understand what you're doing here? And it was only when I moved from shift work to management and had kind of a nine to five, Monday to Friday yeah. style of work, it was only then I had a moment to look at, oh my mm. God, mm. Uh, that's, that's what's happening. I may have just moved to the next level as part of the org chart, but I'm starting to feel and context just got engaged and I was just starting to feel like, is this the life that 
we want to build as a family. Yeah, right. Do I want to spend more time at work? Than, okay, so that's another. Family? So there's another. So what? In a way, this is quite good. This conversation because what we're doing is we're eliciting <laughs> a journey from Harminda, and and part of that is not just what you see, but what you say or what you ask yourself. So yeah. questions are another way to. So today is uh, the lessons out of today are going to come from conversation more than anything, but. Uh, so another classic way to motivate yourself is to change the type of questions that you ask yourself. To be able to ask those questions, at least the, the early stage questions, because genuinely I didn't know what questions to ask mm-hmm. myself. The question started to appear when it was, I don't, I, I don't want to use the word lowest point because that wasn't the feeling at the time. Yeah. But the feeling was, I just don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Super right. excited the moment I walked home. I was like, oh God, thank God I'm home. With my fiance oh, I'm going to meet my friend. I'm just out of the workplace. But the moment the next day came, that kind of feeling arrived. The feeling was, ah, I, don't, I don't want to go and get in a car, sit on the motorway for 40 minutes just to get to work, to do this 7 a.m. conference call, which is meaningless. And then meaningless is a good word. So that's, that's so right. So what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis is meaningless so if you're now. listening to this right mm. now, let's let's just boil that down for a minute. To be motivated to do anything, your life has to have meaning. Mm. Even the slightest thing, like opening a door for another person, gives us a sense of gratification. Six human needs. You know, you're serving another person, you're connecting with somebody, you're providing some kind of security for them as well. Simple as simple as opening a door for another person has meaning. So does going and winning a, a you know an Olympic medal that has meaning. Yeah. But so does walking into a job where you're managing. A, you know, I bet when you started, oh my god, I'm responsible for these lives. You know, oh, it's exciting. You, you, you know, but then yeah. then you get good at that, and then you plateau off. If you're not growing, you're dying or you're atrophying, aren't you? So to me, this is a great message that's coming out of Harminda's story is, if you're not actually growing in what you're doing, and it becomes a place where you're just getting paid for the hours, where's it leading to? Mm. And so for you, it's like doesn't have any meaning so that these are questions that people need to be asking is what i'm doing right now is it fulfilling my own purpose in life does it give me a sense of meaning apart from paying the bills because it was paying bills i guess and i guess there's a part of you oh shit i'm gonna have to save up for the wedding so that suddenly becomes another driver but once it pays the bills so this, so this is an important message uh, you know the salary was good salary was increasing mm. but once it paid the bills and financially or finances weren't the primary motivation or focus mm. Now those questions arose. Right. Um, I'm I've done this now. What what's next? So what so, got to be more? Okay, so here's another key question in the process of motivation, everybody. This is really cool actually, because it's kind of coming out of the journey here. Is you have two choices at this point. So if you're making notes, choice number one, okay, good questions. I'll think about that in the future. Choice number two, write those questions down and really consider them because mm. you then have to act on the answer to those questions. You, you're at a crossroads. Yeah. One is you carry on doing what you're doing. It pays the bills, get you ready for the wedding, et cetera, whatever it is. Or shit, I'm not getting any meaning out of this. Uh, if I look ahead, this is what I did in my career. I looked ahead five, 10 years and I was in a civil engineering role. I looked at people who were senior to me, people that got their PhD, some of them who were, you know, people very, very in their jobs, they were very specialized. And I was like, I do not want this lifestyle. Mm. I actually genuinely didn't want it. And then I started to get a bit panicky because I spent my whole educational career getting to this point. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading all these personal development books and, and they're talking about personal growth and following your aspirations. And, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. No, yeah. this am, is not. Am I doing that? I feel like right I was now. in the matrix. Yeah. It was like it was being revealed to me that they've, and all these other people have done the same thing. And I bet if I'd quietly spoken to them, 95% of them would have said the same thing. Yeah. But now that they've got a bigger house, bigger mortgage, somebody's got kids over there. So I, so I had to make the decision young. That was a conscious decision. That what you just said there is before I get married, before I have children, before I'm locked into these these bills mm. and these responsibilities. Material costs. Material yeah. costs. Once you get there, I do appreciate it's way more challenging to make the shift. But what I had found, and this is where you said, sometimes you have to seek it because- by default, yeah. I didn't have those questions in my armory right. as, as I do now. It, in my mind, when I'm feeling a certain way, I can self-coach, I can self-motivate. But back then, it, w- it wasn't a thing. Mm. So I went to personal development. I found what are the other options? What are the other career paths? Property was one of them. Mm. So then when I met yourself and we was in a room together and you as part of the teaching was asking these questions. Mm. And provoke, I know, I mean, it's a stylistic approach, but provoking quite honest 
questions of everybody in the room. But the of which some were, people didn't like it and kicked yes, back. Yeah. Others were in a bubble and weren't ready to receive it, which is some human beings mm-hmm. go through a whole life. And then there's people like yourself that were just like exactly at that point. It was almost like the words that were coming out of the vessel, which was me, fulfilling answers that you were looking for. Is that, is that fair to say or not? A- absolutely. And the questions you were asking were, were just that, a question. And then it was up to me and everybody in the audience to answer that for ourselves. Mm-mm-mm. And if you answer that question honestly and truthfully, and that's where paper and pen cannot be beaten. It can't be that. You just start answering just it. Just write it, yeah. If nobody was looking at this piece of paper apart from me, what is the answer? And the answer was like clear as day. Yeah. Okay, got to make a change. Yeah. And did Gina feel the same way? Were you both in the same headspace? Uh, yes, because we we were a couple that were connected in the sense that we had this completely open dialogue. Yeah. So our dialogue was so open that, hey, I don't really like what I do in my job. Yeah. And yeah. the dialogue was the same on her side yeah, because yeah. we kept, you know, we had this, but we didn't know the right questions to ask right. to get us excited, motivated and also allow us to believe that we can make the change. So here's a question which I've never thought about with you, or actually anybody that's younger, but we do hear this, like parents will sometimes strangle the dream. And mm. I'm going to try and reframe it another way. And that is, yeah, but you're too young and naive. This is a guy that's just manipulating you. He's putting ideas in your head. Could that be what happens to some people? Did it happen to you? Or is it a case of actually, if you're asking the right questions and you're objective enough, you just have to look at what's in front of you and go, actually, this makes sense for me personally at this moment in time. Because I think people, and I, this is, I actually want to say this to the younger listeners, a lot of older people, my generation, uh, I think devalue or um, demean younger people by assuming they can't make decisions, partly because they're making decisions quicker than people my age group. They're like, mm. fuck, you can't make that decision now. You've got to wait till you've lived life me. Like, yeah, and yeah. when you get to my age, then you can make a decision about starting a business. That's what I was told. I was 20 what was I, 28 years of age, and I decided to leave my career, 29, and all I was told was, you're too young, you, you haven't got enough experience, you can't go and do self-employed, you can't be a consultant. That's what they're telling me. And, you know, me, now you know my model of the world, <laughs> yep. fuck you. It was like, you know what, I'm actually going to go and do it. I'm going to yep. prove to you. And it actually turned out I ended up being engaged by the very same company I work for at a rate of 500 quid a day, and they were make, they were paying me about eighteen to £20,000 a year when I was employed. And now they have to be, bring me back as a consultant to work on projects that they desperately needed the advice on. So sorry, that's not a tangent, but what I want to say is, what what do you say to that conversation about our young people being naive? Were you naive? Were you and your wife naive by jumping on this early and acting? Or was it a case of, no, we were just ready, Ro? Do you feel, because that could be an argument. And I just want to play devil's advocate while we're on this conversation. We've never spoken about this before. No, we haven't. Because that's what we still get. We still, I mean, I get it on my online events. I had a 19-year-old girl that did not sign up to a property course 10 years ago. And she came back 10 years later and she was in tears because she'd listened to her family and was still in the career. Mm. And she said, they told me I was naive. They told me I should be listening to you and property won't work for me. So so what was going on through your head? Because you're still in that young age where you could be influenced by family, et cetera. What, yeah. What made you made a sensible decision rather than a, what might have been perceived to be a naive, irresponsible decision? You, know, you, you parked 20 or 30 grand in your education to restructure your whole lives. Yeah. It's a lot to take in, but I'm tr- do you see where I'm trying to go with this? I want to. I, I do understand it, and you know, if you t- if you was to look at, and I'll ask the question, I'll answer the question personally in a moment. But mm-hmm. if you if you was to look at, let, let's look at models in the world. If you look at Elon Musk, you look at Jeff Bezos, Amazon, you look at the founders of Google, mm-hmm. these companies, Facebook, we, Facebook, you know, we, we <laughs> these are, are the how big. Young were they? <laughs> you know, they were all naive. You know, by default, they were naive. Brilliant, and that's because brilliant. What you said early in the conversation, well, people would have told them, you're naive. You don't know what you're doing. That's been tried. I think Google was like the 19th search engine when it was first started. Oh my God. Tony Robbins was started at 20 years of age. And, tw- and you know, he would have had people say, you're naive. What? You're only 20. What do you know about motivating people and changing people's lives? Mm. And they forget the fact that he worked with an incredible mentor. So were they all naive? hundred percent. Yeah. So nice, nice way to reframe the concept of being naive. And so I think that's the approach I had. And I think in the Asian culture, uh, one thing we've all can see and, and, and there's without a doubt, all Asians know the, the uncle and uncle and the aunties 
who've built a business. Mm. There's some incredibly successful there business are. owners there in are. the in the, and they're on the Forbes rich list. They they do amazing work for charities. It's very very true. Uh, when they started their business mm. and they came to this country, they oh kind of God. by default because they couldn't get an education in the conventional way and become a they, professional, they had to just be naive and start a business. And by the way, for anyone listening who doesn't know the history here, some of these are the most intelligent people, qualified mm. people, but now they come into a society which doesn't recognize that. We're yeah. talking about doctors, lawyers. All that stuff. I mean, my father came into that as well, and they almost get moved into a—I hate to say it—but a sub level of society and disrespected. And it, they're left with, right? What do I do? Do I try and climb that corporate ladder, or fuck it, let me start a business? Yeah. And then now, like the whole jokes about corner stores and businesses, and I mean, I—I I was in Bradford, loads of Asian landlords. Back in the 80s, man. They may still mock corner stores, but the thing is, these Asian families own 25 of them. They're exactly. 30, they franchise yeah. them. You know, they turn them into multi-million pound businesses. And put the hours in that maybe people in this society weren't prepared to do at the time. Yeah. And they would have been called naive. They would, By their own family members, they would have said, this is risky. Yeah. Oh, you're spending your life savings, all that kind of stuff. So I, I say to a younger generation, we've got so many amazing models that mm. we can mm. align ourselves to. And the other question to ask us, I ask myself is, the people who are giving me advice, have they done what I want to do? Right. Whereas here I am standing in front of, yourself who's done what i want to do mm, mm, i was surrounded by an amazing team mm, who've done what i wanted to do mm, true so so who do i listen to in this situation yeah um if you're young in, in your 20s like what did you what did i have to lose mm. you know that's that's another question when we when we look at if we want to be logical about this mm. what's the risk analysis yeah you know what do i have to lose okay that's but, a that's a great so let's talk about that from a motivation perspective so if you listen to this in your 55 60 imagine if you were sat in the same room as a harmender at that and there were by the way that were. weekend and you go nah um and that the no will be because of uh, personal blocks. Ego is the biggest thing, by the way, people mm -hmm. my age group. Um, and also the feeling of shit, I've got too much to risk. What you got to risk? Well, my career, um, my friends might think I'm this and that. So here's the ironic thing. Both ends of that spectrum, you've got nothing to lose really. Cause you at 23, 24, okay, maybe it doesn't work as quickly as you want it to. You've got, you've got longer time to do it. Somebody who's 55 years of age, you're running out of time. You you got nothing to lose, man. You got to do it now because hmm. you don't want to wake up in six years' time, eight years' time, and go shit. I should have done that. And it's a different motivation for that different, generation. Different motivation. Exactly. That generation is, oh my yeah. god, I, how I've much time have I lost? Little time. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I've exactly. wasted time. I've now got a little time to achieve yeah. what I've always wanted to do. Yeah, they go and think about. I'm like, yeah. what do you got to think about? There's nothing to think about here. You spent. You wouldn't come to a uh, a wealth related seminar, a property or a stock market, or write your own book seminar, whatever it is. You wouldn't come to that if something in your life was not. If everything was perfect, you'd be running it. You'd be doing them yourself. Yeah. So the question always has to be, why am I here wanting to learn this or do this? It's because something isn't right, which means you're trying to find a new way forward. Mm. So don't, I guess the motivation message here is don't dismiss the universal message or if you believe in karma or whatever you believe in, you know, past lives or whatever, you know, universe, God, spirit, something's brought you here vibrationally to a point where I, I have to be here for a reason. I didn't just randomly turn up. Everything we do is our responsibility. Mm. So you got there at 23, but you were sat next to people who, I mean, if anything, it's an inspiration for a 25-year-old to see a 55-year-old in the room. Yeah. It's like, shit, why are they sat in the audience watching this? Something can't have worked for them. And, and I saw the same thing in my workplace, you know? Right. So, so linking it back to that, yeah. I, I saw them there. I saw them in this room. So at some point, you kind of ask yourself the question, do I then do 30 years unmotivated? Yeah. Because that's just life. That's just how it is. And accept it. And accept Stick it. your head down, go out for a beer on a Friday and- and just have your two weeks holiday and, and, and that's it. And that's fun, but it's not. And that's the reality. It's, and if you, f so here's, I guess here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you feel like that's great for you, that's great. But if you're feeling like that's not what you are on this planet to do, and there's more of life you want to grab, then that should be motivation enough. Yeah. You know, that's when we talk about the self-motivation, that yeah. should be it. So on that theme then, so let's broaden it now because this, this apply, if you're thinking, well, how's this applied to me if I'm in a job right now, but I don't want to go and start a business or if I'm in a family and I want to motivate my family, or, it's the same thing. Mm. You, you've got to go back to the core of where you're at. So if you're sat here and right now and you are feeling unmotivated in your career, but you still want to stay in your career, ask questions. If you're in a family and something's not working out, maybe the family's 
internally there's some motivation been lost. What's changed in the family dynamic? Is it to do with the hours you're working? Is it to do with a lack of connection? Have you not taken the time to sit with your kids? And so now they're getting a bit, lo- I mean, even this last year with us, you know, lockdown's difficult and everybody's trying to find a new dynamic in the family. Mm. And so that motivation often comes from a question. I think that's a big thing that's coming out of today's yeah. session is like ask questions about what doesn't feel right. So if anyone's listening to this, what doesn't feel right? And then how do I want it to feel? How does it show up? How does it, how does it look? How does it sound? And then you, then you reconstruct your life to, to achieve that. Who do I need to speak to that's going to help me do that? Who's doing that right now? And that, so what, Who's got a family, great family dynamic? What does it they do? How do they, so you look, I, for me, that's when I don't, I'm happy to take external motivation because part of the motivation is me asking the right questions, but then equally, I don't know the answer sometimes. So I'm going, okay, I don't know the answer to this. Let me go and see who's doing what I want to do. And how are they doing it? How can I be inspired by them? So that's like shifting this kind of inner motivation into practical application, you know, to put, yes. to put some language around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I want to do this. I'm now excited. I'm now motivated to do it. But I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And of course, we need to go seek those answers. And with the new information will come a greater sense of motivation. Yeah. And, and 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 downsides. Yeah. You know, anything you do, if you push into the universe in a different direction, it will push back. And that's not to say it's a resistance. It's, it's just that there's going to be things, anytime you create any sort of act, activity in life, you, you're going to have challenges. Mm. Any people that don't have challenges, uh, who was it? Sir Norman Vincent Peale, I think, said many years ago, the only people that don't have any problems are the ones lying in a grave. They haven't got a pulse. So they haven't got a problem. If you've got a pulse and you're pursuing anything in life, you're going to have challenges. So accept that's part of the new journey. Mm. But the big challenge at the moment is actually for anyone sitting, sitting here, if you are wanting to experience something new and you are lacking the motivation, first of all, decide that's what I want to do. And then if you don't know how to do it, seek people that have done it. Go and look to those people. And, and most people actually, if they're doing something and you come up to them and say, hey, I love what you're doing. Could you tell me a bit about Like we had a guy come to fit our decking over the summer. I don't know if you met them, Ben, right? Nice chap. And we got chatting and um, turns out he's got an interest in property. He said, what do you do? I do property. So it led to a conversation about he saved some money up and he's openly asking me, how did you do that? Mm. He's, he's seeking guidance and a bit of advice. And as the person I am, I'm, I'm happy to share it. So I think people that have achieved certain things or a you know, family that's growing really well, a great manager in their business or great entrepreneur in their business. If you, if you contact them and say, I love what you're doing. I'm kind of in a bit of a sticky patch at the moment. I'd really appreciate maybe some inspiration. How did you get there? That would help motivate me. Nine times out of 10, this is my personal belief, they will give you inspiration. Whether you're listening to this, you're 35, 45, 55, 65, it doesn't matter. Most people want to give back because yeah. they've got to a certain point. And who's not to say that they didn't do the same thing and they want to give back to society? And it's, if you know, most often than not, if you dig into somebody's journey and ask them these questions, they've gone through. It won't be too dissimilar of a story that you shared. No, and I exactly. Shared. Yeah, they, yeah. They would have they would have gone through that challenge where they there was a point in their life where they had to remotivate, self motivate to shift the direction of their life and do what they actually wanted to do. Yeah, and and it may have been a conversation. Yeah, it might have been a seminar, it might have been a, a, a I know a YouTube video, or whatever. Yeah, I I'm not talking about constantly bugging them because there's a point where you maybe have to pay for knowledge, mm. but I'm talking about maybe just an insight, an inspiration. I can have five minutes of your time could you just share with me how did you make the shift you know what was your first step you did and sometimes where you'll know this it can be as simple as a word a mm. phrase or a sentence yeah and that's all somebody needs you know if you're thinking about talking to your children i'm yeah. thinking about a mentor talking to me or i'm talking to somebody now in their 20s it's, it's just a, it's just oh oh you actually did it yeah and you believe that i can do it too yeah that's mo- that's that's incredible motivation yeah and i think that's a great way to spin this wrap the, the, this conversation around is to say if you are talking to people to inspire them uh, i think it's always good to notice what's great about that person so if it was like from a management perspective when i've sat in board meetings i sat with senior management and they haven't got a fucking clue how to compliment people they they're so and this is the danger i think at that board level and corporate level at the moment is there's still this feeling of trying to survive and trying to protect themselves so the conversation often is steered towards what they've done as opposed to, 
I like the word we. I think we suddenly mm. rounds the whole board off. It rounds off the meeting and complimenting others. This is a great message for everyone to take away. Complimenting others does not take anything away from ourselves. If anything, I think it makes us empowered. And that's really missing in the corporate world right now. So let's just sincerely let's talk into that space just for a couple of minutes, which is uh, praising someone. Mm. Why does it have such <laughs> profound effect oh, man, and i'm the another... first one to put my hand up where bro this know, is a uh, podcast in its own right i love when i receive praise for good work that i've done yeah. i love it yeah. and, and it fuels me and it motivates me yeah. why why, why well why... you know there's a love and you might you might remember i used to quote this a lot i haven't done it for a long time but there's a great quote i heard years ago and it was recognition it was like recognition dot 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 soldiers die for it which is so true mm. and babies cry for it i mean the two extremes a soldier will go and do something to the point where they get recognized. It's just like they're, they're a band of brothers, you yeah. Know? And babies cry for it because we all, Maslow, we all have an innate need for to be loved and to be cuddled and recognized. Now, that doesn't mean to say in a board meeting you pick somebody up and you <laughs> cuddle them, but sometimes just a hug or a well done or a sincere, you did a fucking, that was amazing what you just did there. Mm. It doesn't take anything away. And I just think that people are afraid at the moment particularly I feel at the moment, to give to, to give compliments or pra- praising because in some way by doing that, it makes that person rise in their esteem and you know their, their position in this conversation above who I am as a person. Yeah. There's a real danger of that happening more and more at the moment. It was a big 80s thing, by the way. In, in, when I grew up in the 80s, everyone was like one-upmanship. There's a big thing, you know. Everyone was trying to compete, bigger mm. this, bigger that, bigger that, bigger that. Then it shifted a bit through the 90s. That's what I felt. 2000s particularly, um, the whole, there was a big push around personal development and the law of attraction was a big conversational piece and companies, that, but then that's ch- turned around again. I, th- I think uh, definitely it's turned again. I think in the younger generation, there was a spell Certainly, yeah. about, about uh, maybe a decade ago where there was the opposite extreme mm. and, you know, and that was kind of looked at and actually it was and I think basically the summary is it's just being misused. People were overly praising. Yeah. You know, I mean, they call it that- the beanbag board beanbag boardrooms or whatever yes, was a phrase for a yes, while yes. everyone was so that, that was and then i think they pulled back from that but when these things happen they pull at extremes yeah oh well that doesn't work let's never praise anybody ever again like that's the challenge yeah I think. so so that yeah, you're right actually that so what happened was the extreme was that no one was then having the harder conversations about okay but this needs to be done better the tough love the tough love so so you you go so far over that you don't tell people what they need to hear and that's also to do with politically correct conversations yes, the whole world. pc yeah that's that says the pc world that evolved over the 90s and into the 2000s i just feel at the moment when things are done well even at the lowest level of management or even down at a ground level on the on, you know where people are operating right through to senior people should be able to compliment all the way through mm. there mm. i was at a board meeting just recently and a lady came in and served the serve the sandwiches etc and what was really nice refreshing for me two of the youngest members of the board were like straight away thank you so much for that really appreciate you bringing the food in and i just thought that's that's just great that didn't happen some of the other people in the Mm. board so it's just like those sorts of things to me are an indication of where people's heads are yeah so i think motivation in the company at the company level is to recognize something great in somebody it doesn't have to be a big thing but just just let them know that just just say i've noticed i've noticed is a brilliant way of opening up a compliment and motivation because it means that you actually took the time to be present mindfulness is as much about being aware in the moment as aware as, as being aware of somebody else and just being mindful to say hey you know i just wanted to i've noticed something harms you i love the way you did that. and that's another nice way of soft i love the way because yeah. that means you feel it as opposed to I thought you did a really good job there. That that's like what that, that's corporate speak, man. You achieved the you, results you know, fucking, targets. Yeah, 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 yeah. you did a great job. You achieved those targets. Whereas a personalized touch to it, and that works in relationships, right? Where I feel yeah. is good for relationships. I feel is a great way to. I just wanted to say something. I feel about you know what you're doing at the moment. My daughter was playing a piano piece last night. I was in the kitchen washing up and sticking stuff in the dishwasher, and I heard this bit of music. I was like, oh my God, that's an old piece of jazz music from years gone by. And I just walked in and listened and I just let her play it. And I just went up and said, that's amazing. I love the way you, and she was like, and do you want me to do it again? And then she did it again and again. And she, you, you know, she was really getting into it. And just to, just to say that, she was about to close it down. And then she goes, do you want me to play it again, daddy? And she played so, it again. So that authentic praise in that moment encouraged, whether it's a bit of motivation. Yeah. But, but like you said, about, about to stop. 
and it's like okay i'm gonna keep going yeah and that nurtures then practice mastery and there's always all these kind of bonuses yeah. that come off the back of and that. what was funny on that was, was the bonus of it was one of the bonuses was i was in the kitchen i said oh my, that's a really famous piece of music savannah and she testing me because she went oh really do you like it and i said yeah it's amazing and and she goes what's it called then daddy <laughs> <laughs> there you go. and i was like that's ain't misbehaving uh, and she goes oh well done you know the name of the song and that cheered her up and then i came in and then i, I paid her the compliment and then she's like she played two more and then my other half came out and it's, it wasn't done with any apart, a purpose apart from just to compliment unconditionally. And we do that easily with kids, but we, for somehow, that's a good point, isn't it? We do it with kids, but somewhere it changes yeah. to peers or even somebody that's above us. Like how often do you see employees really praise their bosses? I, I, did that ever happen to you from an employee really praising you? Maybe occasionally? I mean, it, it was so rare that I can't remember it. It was just, yeah. Maybe I was doing an awful job. Okay, there's a different... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Now we're going to get it. Somebody listening to podcasts, okay, we need to write in and say, yeah, actually, yeah, it was yeah. shit what it you was did. Crap. It was shit. Um, but no, I mean, there are... You do get people that praise because they're blowing the smoke up the boss's ass. But I'm talking about... Genuine. You should be able to praise up and down. I mean, yeah. I think that's such an important part. I've done a lot of work with network marketing groups and they talk about upline and downline, right? That's the way the business structures. And if anyone's listening to you, you'll know this. And one of the questions I got from senior, some of the senior people early on when I started doing this is, you know, what's your view on encouraging people? And I said, well, you should encourage upline and downline because you're being guided by the people above you. But also they want to hear they're doing a good job yeah. because maybe they're new to managing a person in a business. So let them know that. But equally, praise the people below you as well. So everybody wins then. Yeah. Because even a senior manager or a new MD of a company, they may not actually they may be nervous about it. They may, this is a new role to them. That pressure is immense. Yeah. Uh, people are afraid genuinely to be, give them feedback. Yeah. Uh, you so know, they feel very lonely. Up there. Yeah. It's definitely lonely. That's a good word mm -hmm. to describe. You know, they don't have an open communication channel naturally because of their hierarchical position sometimes. So being able to praise them, they're not robots. No. You know, they, they will feel that too. That where that becomes a difficult thing to do is if you're dealing with a really egotistical CEO, managing director, and now it's like, yeah, but I don't want to praise them, bro, because they're fucking assholes. Okay, that's a different conversation yeah. altogether. Maybe you're in the wrong company. Now we need to go look at our values. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and vice versa, you praise upwards and they're like, I don't need praise. Mm -hmm. I'm all good. Mm -hmm. I, I know I'm the best. You know, mm -hmm. so it kind of plays out in different scenarios. Mm -hmm. But I think by default, approach it as those are edge cases and just approach praise as it should be free flowing when when authentic i agree and actually if you do if they have done a good job even if they've got a big ego just just do it because universally i believe that what we put out comes back in different ways so rather than mute it because it's the whole thing about law of attraction is if you mute one area and not the other if if actually somebody you know has got a bit of an ego but they did a good job just say you know i just want to say i thought you did a great job you can, if it's a genuine compliment, not for any other reason than that. And often the ego is so big because it's actually masking that real fact. So, yeah. so you know, they really want that praise. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's why they're going above and beyond and, yeah. and putting on a show for that scenario. Yeah. So, I mean, look, just, uh, just a personal few closing notes on this, I guess, would be to just be comfortable self-reflecting and, and asking internal questions that drive you first and go looking for so motivation has to come from a, a real to paint the picture we haven't talked about that but paint the picture of what you want life to be mm. how you want that world to be write it down you said about writing i think you made a very good point harms like capturing it on paper and then start to ask questions about how can i get to that space not like oh my god i can't get there but what can what sensibly can i do practically what can i do who can i go to to inspire me we get inspired by youtube videos reading um, audio programs, seminars, all those things. We yeah. get that. And I'm not, I'm not going to stand here at 55 and say, I don't need that. Fuck, I, I need it all the time. But that's just topping up. And if you like guiding me, yes, you know, the internal motivations there already. It's a bit like the car. Car's already moving. How do we steer it now? And it's like getting a few more hands on the steering wheel. That's what I'm looking for on a personal level. Whereas if you're sat in the car park and there's no movement, you know, you and I could try and turn somebody's steering wheel, but it's very hard to steer the wheels of a car when there's no movement and that movement is that internal motivation first. Yeah. So on a, on a personal level, just to leave a note for the younger listeners, it would just be when you're, it's very easy to ignore those early signs and early feeling of mo to mo demotivation. Mm. And I'm not talking about 
one random event, one random day. I'm talking about if you feel demotivated over a period of time yeah. consistently, hmm. then tap into everything we've spoken about. Start asking those internal questions and think about, you know, what Roger said that if you are self-motivated and you build that as a practice, that comes after. And then when you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, you then have this innate power where you can motivate the younger generation and then yeah. we continue to grow as a population as a civilization as a human race and i think that's where we want to get to allow praise to be free flowing that's where we finished off the conversation so mm. i think that's it from ourselves yeah and seek the light seek the light you know if you're feeling darkness go seek the light just when when something flashes up whether you're 55 60 or 30 35 25 whatever the minute there's a place of darkness in your life Go go to where the light is because there's truth in that light. There always is. There's something, and it might sound a bit weird, but I'm just talking about what in your life or what around you has created a, a glimmer of hope or inspiration or inspires you. Go look at it. Hunt it down like a pit bull terrier, whatever you need to do to, you know, you're searching, you're searching, and go and look at it. Take your torch out and have a look. It, it could be exactly what you need right now. Mm. Don't ignore it. Don't mute the light. Don't put your head down and think, I'll just keep going seek the light and that could come from a message it could come from a passing comment from somebody it could come from a, an audio a book you read a podcast like this but just don't live your life with your head down in the darkness thinking this is all there is because there's always an opportunity to make a change okay that's it that's the final word that's myself Sorry, and Ro just... signing out we shall see you on the next episode Hello, it's Dr. Rowe here. Harms and I would like to both personally thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Cicado Show. And if you've gained just one insight, something positive that you're able to use on a personal, on a professional level to help your life and maybe other people's lives, then please complete an important action for us which takes less than just two minutes. Please become a supporter of the podcast by going to cicado.com and as a thank you, you'll get access to exclusive supporter perks. And don't forget to simply subscribe to the show, share this product with loved ones, and we would love if you would take a moment to give us a review and let us know just how amazing this episode was. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Owen Harms signing out. We'll see you on the next episode.